Hello and welcome to episode 6 of Categorically Oscars. I'm Cal. And I'm Chris. And thank you to all our new uh, listeners, the people that have joined us since the last episode. We've got, you know, a ton of new followers on Twitter, so thanks to everyone. Um, and thanks to everyone who voted in this week's poll as well, So, which we'll, we can reveal the results of later. Yeah, I actually... Um... I was about to vote in that with my personal Twitter account, but then I'm not sure how Twitter polls work, so I didn't know if people could see that, how I voted, so I didn't want to spoil anything for the podcast, so I've reserved my <laughs> reserved my vote. <laughs> I think it's pretty anonymous, actually. Um, it doesn't tell you who voted, so... Okay, well, I'll remember that for the next one. But it's such a shame that the Twitter can only have, like, four options in a poll. You know, can you imagine like all these Oscar battles that could be going on? Yeah, I know. We sh- I mean, we should write to them and ask them to increase it only for Oscar polls. I mean, I think that's a good. <laughs> I think it's a good enough reason to expand it. Uh, well, to us, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, okay, so this week we're going back a whole fifty years. So yeah. all these all these films are celebrating their fiftieth anniversary this year. Uh and we're back to Best Picture, which is uh, most people's favourite, would you say, a category? Yeah, um, or if not favourite, at least the one that they kind of uh, look forward to seeing the most, I think, and the one that means the most to people. But first up, we're going to talk, because we go alphabetically, apart from the winner, which we leave to last, but it turns out the winner is alphabetically last anyway this year. Uh, yeah, that worked out well. It did. Um, so uh, we're going to start with, by talking about everyone's favourite airport. <laughs> um, ten nominations for airport. Um, and I would say there's there's a notable divide here between the Oscar voters and the critics uh, in, well, regarding airport. Um this this was released in March even and still still managed to get all those nominations um, even after the critics were, were not too high on it. Why do you think that is? Um, why do you think audiences remembered the, the film and do you think it's warranted that it has this big haul? Well, um, I don't think it's warranted, at least... It could, it definitely deserves some of its nominations, yeah. um, but the sheer number of like, let's for lack of a better word, we'll call them prestige nominations. I think um, is surprising. Um, I think it just was a huge crowd pleaser. You know, it was kind of the ocean. Well, they already had the oceans movie of their day with the oceans movie. But then it was kind of the modern Oceans movie in that it was an all-star cast. It had these big multiple storylines intersecting and these great kind of set pieces and a mix of old and new stars. It was it was a kind of... Uh, and it started a trend, right? It started these disaster movie um, kind of franchises they thought, okay, what can we, what major disasters can we put in a place we haven't done yet? A tower, a ship, you know, whatever. 
Yeah, and um, all of these, all of these uh, subsequent films got some nominations themselves. Uh, yeah, I mean, Towering Inferno was up for Best Picture too in uh, in nineteen seventy four. Yeah. So it yeah. definitely captured somebody's hearts and minds for sure. Mm. Um, speaking personally, it's a. I think it, I had not seen it um, before preparing for this uh, for this episode. And I liked it just fine. Um, I think it. I was not expecting it to take so long to get to whatever the problem on the airplane was going to be. Um, it was just like like I real. I checked the times. Like I'm 45 minutes in, and I still don't know what I'm concerned about here in this airport. Is it just going to be two hours of them cleaning the runway? I hope not. Mm. But you know. Um, I seem to remember the Towering Inferno does take quite a while to get to the fires, you know. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it follows kind of follows the same template of setting up all these individual big stars and their conflicts with the other big stars. Um, I don't, I, I wasn't crazy about most of the subplots in Airport, like the conflict between Dean Martin and Burt Lancaster was just kind of like felt so much like filler and i guess it was but like more like filler than it should have felt yeah it's it's um, kind of like it mixes because that kind of stuff is soap opera and then the, the things with the plane are more blockbuster really um but i i, mm-hmm. I have to say i had seen this before and didn't like it so much and this time i really had fun with it um it's incredibly entertaining especially in the second half. Uh, and I can understand why audiences disregarded the critics, because I kind of think the critics are wrong on this. Um, I mean, Burt Lancaster called this the biggest piece of junk ever made. Uh, <laughs> which, it, I mean, I, the film doesn't have much of a point. It doesn't have much of a reason to exist. So in that case, it's not exactly deep and meaningful. Um mm-hmm. But I do think it doesn't take itself seriously, whereas the first time I watched it, I thought it did. Um, But now I think it's kind of willing to make fun of itself. Um, And I think... Yeah, I got... I was just going to say I got the same sense. Um, It seemed to me that, well, most of the actors seemed to know that they were just in kind of a a cheesy popcorn flick and were just enjoying the ride along with the audience. Yeah, I mean, the fact that, because Airplane, uh, the the parody <laughs> comedy of this film, um, I kind of think it's, I kind of feel a little bit sorry for Airport because it seemed to have been derided so much and I just don't, I don't really think it deserves so much, uh, so much of the mockery. <laughs> um, yeah, it, Looking at the reviews, yeah, it definitely seemed like the critics may have taken it more seriously than it intended. Um, And maybe that could be the reason it got so many Academy Award nominations. Maybe it was the Academy saying, you know, a little bit of a middle finger to the critics. Mm. And I'm I'm sure that... I, I, I mean, I'm sure nobody making the movie was expecting a Best Picture nomination during the production. So it must, 
I'm imagining it was a surprise. Ross Hunter, the producer, was probably as surprised as anybody when he saw it among the nominees. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how much they spent on uh, FYCs, etc. But yeah, they they kind of expected ten nominations because no. the film doesn't look that great, particularly. So all these technical nominations, I kind of don't understand those. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks fake a lot of the time the airplane looks mm. like it was kind of amateurishly put together um so yeah the the art direction nomination is definitely strange yeah i yeah it, it, to me it feels like it was made at least 10 years before 1970 you know yeah mm-hmm. it, it looks very very dated but you have to like think i do kind of enjoy watching these old um films with airports in and just the complete lack of um like now you have to you know you feel like a criminal whenever you fly abroad but um mm-hmm. these people are just completely hapless and helen hayes character mm-hmm. there's a scene towards the beginning and helen hayes i think is great in this um well, she's adorable yeah She's fun, and people don't seem to like that win either, which I kind of think is strange. Um, I think it's the kind of comedic supporting performance that the category was made for. Yeah, totally. Um, but she, I, there's this scene where she explains that you know how she manages to get on board all these flights illegally, mm-hmm. and the things the things she's doing are not particularly like um, espionage. <laughs> it's no. just like. Like little things like she managed to steal the same pen that they use, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I was watching and thinking, was it really that easy to stow away on a major airliner in 1970? That doesn't, mm. I mean, I know that airport security was pretty lax back in the day. I mean, just confirmed from other movies of the period uh, that I've watched. But that is pretty, that has to be exaggerated. I mean, I have maybe if any of our listeners are were flying at that time, they can tell us uh, whether you could just breeze onto a plane with you if you had the right pen. Um, what do you think about the approach to comedy, like with all the that business with the the attempts to uh, ensnare the terrorist, the bomber? Um. That that sequence went on a little longer than I was expecting it to, um, <laughs> and I I don't know that um, the attempts to talk him down were you know a little ham fisted, and then of course you had the I mean I did laugh when they seemed to have Dean Martin finally seemed to have him calm down. And then that guy who's causing trouble just screams, stop him, he has a bomb, and that just undoes everything. I laughed. <laughs> I laughed at that part, absolutely. <laughs> I think the I think the biggest laugh for me was the Helen Hayes, where the, the um, stewardess slaps her, and then she goes into this hysterical episode. <laughs> um, and I'm thinking, how could people think that this film is supposed to be serious? Like, <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I think ultimately the film is, is pretty shallow. Um, but uh, 
I'm on board with... I'm kind of on board with the Best Picture nomination. I'm definitely on board with the Supporting Actress nominations. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought Maureen Stapleton was actually quite affecting uh, in a couple of the scenes. Yeah, I mean... It it feels unfair to say that sometimes she went over the top because it's it's airport, but um, <laughs> I no I I was on board with it too. I'm definitely on board with Hayes um, winning. Uh, that yeah. appears it may be controversial to say, but I'm so I think she definitely earned it, and I may not be on board as on board with the best picture nomination, but I definitely can see why it. Um, why it did well. I'm definitely not on board with a screenplay nomination for it. That one... <laughs> that yeah. one's a little indefensible, but yeah, the the acting one's for sure, and I can maybe give it a pass on Best Picture as well. Yeah, I, I, I agree. So how about Five Easy Pieces? Uh, Had you seen this five before? Five Easy Pieces. Yeah, um... <laughs> I'd see, it'd been a while, but I saw it a couple of times um, earlier in life. And so I was really looking forward to watching it again and was not disappointed. Um, still one of my favorite American films from the era, maybe one of my favorite movies overall. It just, it, I mean, it, it's wonderful to me. Uh, Nicholson is, I think, probably... One one of my top five performances of all time, I would say, is Jack Nicholson wow. in this movie. Wow. Because, I mean, I'm not as sold as you, but um, it's it's a very dislikable character uh, that he's mm-hmm. playing. Um, and he's really excellent in the film, actually. Um, I, I It took me a while to kind of work out how to feel about Bobby. Um, the there's a there's a definite journey from the beginning to the end, um, and I think it's interesting to compare how he is at home versus how he is at his family home. To me, that was the most interesting part of the film um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it was a real divide, and you could I really wasn't expecting this guy to have been brought up in such a you know well off. Uh, environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I thought that was that was a real, a real strength of the film, and um, it caught me off guard many times. Actually, it's incredibly, it's incredibly of the time. Like it's, um, it's, it's kind of a drift, a drift of film, really, isn't it? From one of those typical late sixties, early seventies American. Mm-hmm. B movies, if you will. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's definitely um, following in the footsteps of some uh, groundbreaking films that came before it. But just, I think it's one of the more successful ones in kind of capturing that restless alienation. And I kind of like that it puts us in the head of this character who's incredibly conflicted and incredibly just self-ostracized without really understanding why and you can feel his discomfort in both places he tries to fit in and can't no matter where Mm -hmm. he is and 
and yeah, he's not a likable character at all, but he's definitely a character that, you know, you kind of lean in when he's on screen because you want to see what he's going to do and what he's going to say and if he's ever going to find peace or anything. Yeah. And I think especially if you consider the other nominations around the same time for Jack Nicholson, Easy Rider, um, Chinatown, Last Detail, he's so different in in this and indeed kind of different in every film. Um, mm-hmm. You could you could never say that he's got a particular type. Maybe maybe in his later career, um, he but, definitely settled in later mm, career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this, I think, these roles really show a different side of him, and this one's no different. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we'll probably get onto the best actor race later because when we talk about Patton, but I surely yeah. surely um, Jack was second here. You would think. I I have to think so, and I mean, I know I don't want to get into it too much because, like you say, we'll get to it later. But I know that Patton was such a tour de force, and it was kind of a foregone conclusion. But if if I was voting, I'd I'd vote for Nicholson in a heartbeat. And compare thinking about it, comparing it to those other movies you mentioned here, in those other ones, he's always so sure of himself. You know, and he plays a very, um, like you say, a very different character. And here he's so vulnerable all the time. And, yeah. you know, the you can see his inner life so much clearer here than in those other roles. And he just plays it so well. And one of the, one of the things I noticed this time watching it um, that I had missed previous times because it goes back to what you were saying about the difference in how he acts when he's at the beginning of the film to when he goes home, is his voice changes, his accent changes. When he's in the oil rig with his buddies, he has kind of a more hick accent, kind of a low-class working man's accent, and then when he goes home, his voice just softens right back into that, Mm. um, you know, that kind of cultured, not quite cultured, but you can see he's kind of has to shift how he speaks when he goes back there because he doesn't want to embarrass himself and he doesn't want to appear the way he's made himself it's and i hadn't noticed that previous times i'd watched it so that was a nice detail a nice touch yeah yeah i uh i'd like karen black in this um as well i think it's a shame she doesn't have more to to do i think the film could do with more of her character um that you know she does she doesn't have so much screen time um but i think she pulls off this kind of the vulnerability um of mm. you know the Rayette and the way he treats her and um she's always trying to see the positive but she is often broken in this film and you kind of wonder what might have happened to her in the past and men probably taking advantage of her, etc. So it made me think think about her. Whenever she was on the screen, she kind of caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she's, she steals quite a few scenes. Um, and I think she does... Karen Black does such a good job with the character. Um, to, I think she gives the character a little more 
weight, a little more depth than maybe is present in the screenplay. Because if I was looking at the script, I would see her character is just kind of a little one note. But yeah, yeah, the the way she performs it, the way she you know shows uh, Rayette's emotions and and her own vulnerability and like you say, kind of her damage is is a testament to her performance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of things. It, the film's very idiosyncratic, um, but and not very comedic. But um, when they pick up the two hitchhikers, so the 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 two girls that have crashed the car, are, are they supposed to be lesbians? I'm, I wasn't sure about that. They, I think they are. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's there's a few like I think there's a moment where. Rayette just and Bobby just kind of share this like look and she Rayette like raises her eyebrows and I think that's kind of her saying I think they're you know I think they're t- a couple kind of uh, a, sil- a silent acknowledgement yeah I, I just so, yeah. found it so funny that there's like very little cordiality um <laughs> in the in the car between the four of them it's like um they have this such funny conversation about Alaska and mm-hmm. One of the women wants to go to Alaska because she thinks it's cleaner, and it, it was just such an odd conversation to to have in the film, and it it kind of I I, I don't know I just found that um I found that quite entertaining um it was a nice little nice little cameo of a performance anyway from one of them yeah yeah it was just it's kind of a bizarre interlude. Um, it kind of it kind of foreshadows the ending, but other than that, I think it it's almost like just kind of a lighthearted moment between the drama to kind of give the. I mean, it's felt to me like it was kind of giving me a moment to breathe and just enjoy a bit of weird dialogue before we got back to the drama. Yeah, what what did you think about the film's length? It's because it's quite short, and I kind of. Part of me did think maybe they could have developed it more, or maybe it, there was more of a story to tell. Um, I, I did. I, I thought the f- the film was really good, but I, I I did leave it feeling a little slight. Like maybe maybe they could have um, they could have had them go home and a bit more after that. Like it could have shown them back at their original home and. Yeah, and I was thinking maybe if he if he kind of fell back into the way it was, maybe it would make a bigger point. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't. I mean, that's something. I I actually kind of love the way it ended. I was so the first time I saw it, it was just such a kind of a gut punch, where you just realize, oh, this guy, nope, he's uh, he's still scared. He still can't commit. He still hate he hates himself even worse than he did before, and he's just gonna go. Um, and that was, I thought it was a very gutsy way to end it. Um, and I kind of like that it ended where it did, and just the length of that final shot before it finally fades is just so uncomfortable. Uh, and yeah, I think it takes I think it takes guts to end a movie like that. So I'm I'm yeah. in favor of the way it ended. Okay. Um, I feel like I should um, have a musical cue to introduce this this next film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, 
Maybe we'll end with it. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about that. Um, I have to say, I do think the music is the best part of the film. <laughs> um, but I'm not sure that's saying much. No, it's not. I, mean, I think you're right. <laughs> uh, this is Love Story. And this this theme tune has gone down in history. I think it sold loads, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a big, big hit. Um. How were you moved by Love Story, as as the intention uh, clearly seems to be to move? Um, probably not in the direction that they intended or that they wanted. Um, I was mainly, I mean, it, it made me watch Five Easy Pieces much faster than I had intended to. So it moved me from a bad picture to a good one, if that's what you mean. But... Um, <laughs> In terms of tugging at my heart strings and getting me teary-eyed at the, you know, incredible love and incredible tragedy between these two characters, uh, I have to say it missed the mark on me. Yeah, I I had seen this before and it was as bad as I remembered it to be. Um, <laughs> what I found really weird is that they tell you that she's died in the first scene. In the in the first voiceover, um, he says, "What can you say about a twenty-five-year-old girl who died?" Yeah. So we know she's going to kick the bucket, but mm-hmm. it's um the way if we can if we can cut to the end um the way that she dies a it's never fully explained what she <laughs> dies from. Mm-hmm. Is it blood cancer? It sounds like it's something like blood cancer, but it's never never spoken about, really. No, it's not. It's it's like, I imagine the screenwriters are just like, okay, so she dies of a sickness. Uh, any ideas? Uh, let's just come back to it. And they never... <laughs> <laughs> and somehow it made it to the shooting script and they were shooting it and they realized they never filled that in. So they just have to say, she's sick. She'll be dead soon. And leave it at that. And I also, think... the doctor doesn't even tell her. He tells the husband. How is that ethically right? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I made a note, look up patient privacy laws in the 70s. Because, yeah, that obviously wouldn't fly uh, today. And it's just, it seems ridiculous that that would ever be okay. What do you think about the courtship uh, between them, which pretty much happens instantly and yeah. uh, very very quickly um is there is the chemistry there um i didn't get it <laughs> um it like i wasn't expecting it to open with just them in the middle of an argument and just the i mean if i went to a library trying to find a book and the librarian was like making fun of me for not using a different library why would i i don't think i would be moved to fall in love and pursue that person and i just felt right away i just felt what is her problem he's coming into a library to find a book you're a librarian give him the book you don't even have to say anything so that was weird um and (laughs) Everything after that was predicated on that ridiculous first encounter, and I didn't I didn't get the chemistry between them at all. I have to say, um, 
they were and as as soon as he showed up in that car of his she should have dumped him because <laughs> what was wrong with the car what a ridiculous car to drive it's first of all <laughs> you know you're in a in america driving a right hand drive that's just screams old money douchiness right away and also the car looked like it was from the 30s would it even be street legal in the 70s could it even go at highway speeds i don't know it just i don't know the car rubbed me the wrong way maybe it didn't (laughs) strike you the same way but to me it it kind of epitomized everything wrong with him and his old money ways but that's that was me so we need to look up the medical board after this, and we need to look up the automobile uh, regulations. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. um, I it, it, their relationship is so weird. Um, she's very. I hesitate to use the word unattractive, but she's very unappealing as a personality. Um, she's got a very caustic personality. If somebody mm-hmm. called me preppy, there's no way I'd be jumping into bed with them. Yeah. I'd be like, see ya, you know. It's, um, well, yeah, R- right at the point, and this was actually the one time that I felt this the film did well, it was after about 15 minutes into the film and every single thing out of her mouth was some sarcastic little comment. Mm. And I was just thinking pretty much exactly what Ryan O'Neill says to her at that point. It's just, this is exhausting. Everything I say, you're just making it into an opportunity to make some smart remark. We never have a real conversation. I can't do this. And that was exactly what I was thinking. It's like, if they don't have a real conversation very, very soon, then, you know, he has to leave. And I guess it worked because that's exactly what happened. Yeah. So they do have some kind of Um, Mm self-awareness. But some of the, the lines that came out of her mouth, I just, I don't know who wrote them. Like, when after um, she finds out she's dying and she says to him, I'm counting on you to be strong, you goddamn hockey jock. Yeah. <laughs> who says that? I don't know. I don't know. Especially when they're processing all that information about the fact that they're not going to live, you know, past 25. Mm-hmm. It was just a very odd thing to say. Um, yeah. And just a very odd scene in general. Like, she's dying, and she's the one comforting him. Yeah. It was very strange. Yeah. What, um, what, what do you feel about the acting? Um, he, he was better than her, I thought. Um, I do think... I, I'm not crazy about either of them as actors. Maybe I haven't seen enough of Ryan O'Neill. Um, and I, I don't think I've seen too much of Ali McGraw, but I know she doesn't have an amazing reputation as an actress. Um, I think, I think he did better. Yeah. Um, I think he probably had more to work with. Just his character is a little more developed than girl. So, um, girl who gets sick. Sorry. That was, that was her description. At least his description. He has like the family conflict at least to give him a little something to do and um so he has a little more to work with i think ryan o'neill well i believe that um she was desperate for this role she 
She is the wife of the producer of the film. Um, oh. And I think she was desperate to get this made and, and be and be that character. Um, maybe she mm. won the Oscar nomination and she got it. Yeah. Well, I guess it, as Norma Shearer found out, whose birthday today, so happy birthday, Norma Shearer, uh, it pays to be married to the big producer. Queen of MGM. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what really I found was really poor this time was the fact that their relationship, that the characters are defined by their relationship. They've got no individual friends um, mm-hmm. at all. They don't have a life away from each other. And I just feel like we could have done with some different perspectives to view to view the relationship. Because um, mm-hmm. you really only get these horrible binary oppositions of, you know, um, Ray Milland is this horrible, cold, uncaring snob and John, uh, is John Farley or John Marley? Um, John Marley, yeah. John Marley is this completely wonderfully warm, you know, open guy. And actually I thought the best part of the film, the best scene in the film is where Ryan O'Neill and uh, John Marley kind of consoling themselves after she dies. I actually thought mm-hmm. it was quite honest. It felt honest. Yeah, that was a very nice exchange. But overall, it just feels like um, it just feels all very hackneyed and cliche. You know? Yep, it did. Speaking of which, uh, what do you think of the you know the famous line of the film? Love means never having to say you're sorry. I think it's trash. <laughs> and yeah. apparently everybody embraced this, didn't they? This was like a big thing. This quote was everywhere. Yeah. I think, yeah, it's definitely trash. Um, and it's, I don't understand it, really. Does it mean you never do anything that you're sorry for? Or you just never say you're sorry about what you're doing? Or you should never expect the other person to say sorry? I don't understand what the line is even trying to say about love, but I know it's I think, wrong. I think there are plenty of husbands and wives who um, would be divorced if either the other half hadn't said sorry. Yeah, uh, exactly. And I mean, I think love means knowing when to say you're sorry. That's, I mean, that's not all love is, but it's definitely a big part of it. But um, have you ever seen, have you seen the movie What's Up Doc with uh, Ryan O'Neill and Barbara Streisand? I have, yes. Yeah, I think Ryan O'Neill gives the best assessment of that line when they, <laughs> at the end of the movie, when Barbara Streisand says it to him and he just deadpans, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and this yep. is only, two, that was only made two years after Love Story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I think that that must mean that Love Story already had kind of a reputation and that line kind of already had a reputation as a kind of, you know, dumb love story. Well, I think like that was, um, we talked about Airport came out in March, Love Story came out right in December. So it didn't really have a lot of time for people to, um, to question it. And I think the critics were very kind at the time to it. Uh, and it was a huge hit, which obviously helped. Yeah, which is surprising that they would be that they would be so kind to that. Yeah, I think Roger Ebert gave it four out of four stars. Um, 
why i don't know it certainly hasn't aged well like i pretty confident yeah. saying this is the worst of the bunch uh, this year i can i think that's a fair assessment yes for sure okay so what we got next next we have uh two war movies two of the most diametrically opposed war movies i think i've seen um we'll start with mash uh robert altman's big break so you put some trivia on on our twitter account this week and apparently uh, donald sutherland and elliot gold wanted robert altman fired from this yeah, they. I think they were upset a lot about his directing style, which, of course, we know and love now, but at the time was pretty unconventional. They didn't like the overlapping dialogue. They didn't like the kind of freeform nature of the production. I think they thought that he just didn't have control over the movie um, mm. and that he just didn't know what he was doing. So, yeah, apparently they both uh, tried to get him fired throughout, or at least through most of the production. Um, and I was, I was reading, following up on it, that Altman had no idea about their maneuverings until after, but apparently Gould apologized to him uh, afterwards, which led to him working with Altman again on further films. And Sutherland, mm. ne- Sutherland never did, and they never worked together again. So. Of course, the um, Long Goodbye, Ellie Gold was mm. in, which is a yeah. great film. Oh, yeah, one of my, that's one of my favorites of the era. Yeah. Um, I, well, th- the biggest thing for me is the overlapping dialogue, because this was, this was, I believe this was a key feature of what people relate to and I think it's like the first film in which he used it unless I'm mistaken um I think so yeah I can imagine some people being like I can't hear a word anyone's saying because <laughs> mm-hmm, it because mm-hmm. it is a bit like that and you have to wonder if um I, I really like it but you have to wonder if the screenwriter's thinking he's butchering my script <laughs> <laughs> I imagine they did, yeah. But of course, um, Altman relies so much on uh, improv and actors just kind of coming up with lines in the moment that I wonder how much of what's in the film was actually in the script or how much of it was just off the cuff. Yeah, well, certainly the the guy who wrote the script won the Oscar anyway, so I don't think he can complain too much. No, right. But it's very different from anything else at the time like i mean you would see films like nashville maybe has a bit more in common with it um compared to other altman films uh in the way that it is so freeform and ramshackle at times but um it's i just think it was so funny there was just so many lines in this i just thought were like inspired and it's very it's very farcical, really. It's it's kind of satire meets farce. Yeah. Um, I think that where the sat- satire comes in is in this. It's crit- you know, it's making fun of uh, the discipline and the protocol of the army, and you know, it's ridiculing it basically. These people, these people who are supposed to be 
medical professionals and you know indeed you know they seem to be astute at that they're just behaving like a group of students mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know sleeping around and uh playing practical jokes on each other and drink drink and drugs etc i just think it's so outlandish and uh fun yeah same um and just the yeah just the irreverence for just basically everything they could think of that was sacrosanct in American society at the time, the military, religion, all that stuff is just fair game. And it's, I think it's a riot. Yeah. And I like the, I like the freewheeling devil may care kind of approach to not only the scenes, like the characters approach, but the approach of the film to telling the story is just all over the place. And it keeps you on your toes. What did you think about the the comedy? Because it's very politically incorrect. Would you say? Um, that's a that's a polite way to put it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can see a criticism of the film might be sexist, might be homophobic. Um, I'm inclined to kind of, you know look that look that over just because I think the whole rhythm of the film and the whole approach is so everything's fair game and it's it's quite a and I, I don't know I just I just find it so off the chain that those things didn't really affect me so much and it, and it was 50 years ago um, mm. but I can see how somebody might be offended by it now yeah I mean it definitely um has a lot of aspects that would today be considered misogynistic, um, homophobic, racist. Certainly a lot of the nicknames for the some of the members of staff are a little... Ugh. But um, I agree. I think it's uh, part of the irreverence. And every time... Like, there were a couple of points that I was starting to lean back a little bit, but then it would just hit me with a great a great line or a great laugh mm. and I would ju- I'd just be like okay I forgive you um, one of my favorite like yeah one of my favorite moments of the film is you know right after they um, they drop the curtain on hot lips when she's in the shower and that is a pretty sophomoric prank you know it's pretty you know it's right yeah. out of one of those it's kind of the thing that Porky's and those bad 80s comedies do. So that was a moment I was like, yeah, this is pretty bad. But then she storms into Henry Blake's tent and we get that amazing sight gag where it cuts to him and he's just in bed with a girl. It's just He's just looking at her like, okay, you just run your mouth a little bit and let me get back to what I was doing. I loved that. <laughs> that just, that's, just that cut to him was so unexpected and so, his face is so hilarious that I was just right back in the movie after that. And I... I it's it is. it's wonderful, it's, um, but it's definitely it, has some dated elements that can't be. But avoided. it's very like I think I think the film is definitely saying that this is not a healthy uh, setup. It's not a healthy workplace. It's it's actually quite toxic. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. And and therefore, it is cr- criticizing you know the people behaving like this. Um, yeah, and, then and I mean Sally the, yeah Ka- these. I was just going to say, these men are not heroes, and the film definitely doesn't yeah. portray them as heroes. Yeah. 
and Sally Kellerman, you know, ends up kind of becoming one of them, really. Uh, the Hot Lips Houlihan is kind of brought into the fold, and it did yeah. remind me of, of university, college, um, and, like, the fact, one of my favourite bits is where Donald Sutherland meets Elliot Gould, and the drinking martinis and Elliot Gould's, you know, like, you can't have a martini without olives, and he's got this stash of olives, and I just thought that was, <laughs> that's the kind of scene you'd see with, like, two 18-year-olds meeting at university, and that would then yeah. form their kind of friendship for the next three, four years, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely had the kind of, the kind of feel of just kind of lads getting together and saying, oh, you also like causing trouble. I guess we're going to be mates. Yeah. 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 But as you say, very accomplished surgeons and very uh, able doctors. So they, they earn some passes, I guess. Um, I thought it was amazing that they replaced the standard battle scene in a war movie with a football game. And that was like the big action set piece of the film was this 15 minute football sequence. And I thought that was another great <laughs> kind of great kind of swipe at the genre. Like we're not going to show a battle. We're going to show people playing football instead. Yeah. Yeah. And there was this, and I really love how it ends. And you know, this, this week's film has been mash and then it says everyone's names over the like peer system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a really cute way to end the film. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's get on to pattern because lots of things to discuss here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd seen this movie prob- uh, probably over 20 years ago. I watched this movie. Um, I watched it with my dad and my grandfather, so that's kind of my memory of it. So it was definitely a new experience to watch it as an adult kind of critically instead of just kind of a, hey, it's a fun movie to watch on Sunday kind of movie <laughs> yeah um i'd seen this a long time ago too and i kind of felt the same way about it this time i kind of mixed on it but I, I, it does have some uh it does have some things in it that are, are not uh are not usual shall we say um what what did you make of the representation of pattern because uh George C. Scott himself, and you know, we're going to talk about George C. Scott, and Lord knows he was not the most uh, easy of people to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but he he said to a journalist during the filming that the script was inadequate, uh, and that Patton is being misunderstood in the film, and that he was ashamed to be part of it. Yeah, I read that. Um, I'm not, you know. I'm not really sure. I don't, I'm certainly not an expert on Patton the man, but my impression of it was that it was more critical of him than I had remembered it being, Um, Mm. which is not to say that it doesn't, it still, I think, goes out of its way to present him as a hero, you know, a rebel. One, I think one of the working titles for the film was Patton, the story of a rebel, and yeah. they, eventually, they eventually dropped that. But I do know that they rearranged some events and they changed some orders and things like that to highlight his rebelliousness, his, you know, kind of maverick streak, which 
didn't align completely with reality to heighten the the caricature that they wanted to make. But it definitely doesn't present him as right, even maybe most of the time it presents him mostly as just kind of pig-headed and kind of an asshole. So I, I, I was actually surprised by how, I wouldn't say the absence of um, hero worship in the movie, but the extent of it was not as much as I remembered it being. Yeah. I think it's pretty even-handed. Um, I would say it's not as critical as it probably should be. Um, mm-hmm. I think we can talk about George C. Scott. I do think George C. Scott is absolutely brilliant in this. Um, yes. And I'm not the kind of person that likes biopic performances, particularly. I've, you know, I think it's much more difficult to portray an original character. Mm-hmm. But um, I do. I I just couldn't see him as anything other than general partner in this, and I just felt it was. I do think it's like probably top ten best actor wins ever. You know, certainly in the top twenty. Um, and it's unfortunate that Jack had to go up against this, but George C. Scott was saying, "Don't vote for me. I don't want the Oscar." Yeah. But when you're in the best picture winner of that won seven Oscars, what, they're going to choose someone else? Yeah. He kind of is the film, isn't he? Absolutely, yeah. There's nobody... I mean, Carl Malden's good in it, but nobody else in the movie is anywhere near his level. So I I think it's a pretty clear win, whether he wanted it or not. Um, He was going to run away with it this year, Mm. for sure. And Goldie Hawn, when she announced it, said, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> she, <no>. uh, <laughs> she, she knew that it would not go down well. <laughs> nope. Um, but who... He had also refused his nomination, hadn't he, a few years before? Uh, for for The Hustler, yeah. Curiously, he, he was... He didn't say anything about his first nomination, which was Best Supporting Actor for Anatomy of a Murder a few years before The Hustler. He didn't... I mean, I don't think Mm. there's any record of him being upset about that. But with The Hustler, he definitely asked to be removed from the ballot, and he did the same here. So, And did, did he mention anything about The Hospital the year after this? I was about to say, I don't think I've read anything about that. Maybe he just gave up fighting at that point and knew it was useless. But no, I don't think I've seen any quote from him about his nomination hospital i mean i think the film looks good um but it's not the most uh exciting uh filmmaking it's it's really it looks good mainly because they spend a lot of money on it um yeah you know i can't i can't really speak to franklin j schaffner as a, a great filmmaker per se um his film the best man is is really good from 1964 um but I haven't I, seen it. you know, he, he's not somebody that's. Um, you think, oh, it's a Franklin J. Schaffner film. I must see that. Yeah, I was actually surprised when I I looked him up, and I've seen several of his movies that I didn't know he directed. Planet of the Apes was his. Um, Papillon yeah. 
and the boys from Brazil. I've seen those, but I forgot he directed them. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's not a director that evokes anything in me, you know? So as a director, I'm not sure what his voice really is, but it yeah, it looks good because it has a big budget and they got to film in sunny Spain and everything. So yeah, it looks great. But the, the battle sequences are surprisingly dull to me. Yeah. Just, yeah. just a lot of, a lot of things blowing up and planes flying over. Um, I definitely think they kind of skimped on that, but yeah, you know, this is, and I found this out, this is another movie that William Wyler passed on. Um, they wanted him, but he wanted to take a break after funny girl and they didn't want to wait for him. So he could have had yet another best picture (laughs) triumph. It's amazing that he had, he could have had five if he'd just made yeah. different but I, easily, I kind of yeah. yeah and i kind of wonder what his take would have been on this because he proved that with ben-hur i think he proved that he could make an epic with a human focus he and david lean kind of had the uh talent but so i, I kind of wonder what william wyler's Patton would have been like uh, but yeah we'll never know no uh I mean, this did win a lot of uh, a lot of technical wins. It it lost cinematography to Ryan's Daughter, which is no great shame because that's a stunning looking film, as you expect from David Lean and Freddie mm-hmm. Young. Um, what surprised me about this film that I didn't remember from the first time? It's a lot about managing expectations. It's a lot about his media image and the image of the army and. I do think that's interesting that people, you know, in 1970, journalists were holding, you know, the military to account probably a lot more. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, I do think there's some some interest there. And I think there's some interest in the fact that he's, you know, his personal pride and he's overshadowed by Eisenhower and MacArthur and Montgomery, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, there were things in there I I wasn't expecting, but I two hours forty five minutes. I think you could have got rid of half an hour of, of of this no no problem. Like I don't get any of the scenes with the Germans. I really I don't think they're important. Yeah, they're not important at all, and I don't. Yeah, maybe one or two, if that. But mm. yeah, definitely way too much screen time devoted to that. Um. And a, kind of a small point, but I didn't see the point of the opening scene with the parade in uh, Tunisia, where he's getting like a medal from a local ruler and like watching the troops march by. I thought that was mm. a weird introduction. I mean, it's a second introduction because we get the speech first, but there would have been such a better introduction because we have that cut from, you know, them saying oh, it's going to be Patton's going to be the new commander. And then the guy, Omar Bradley's assistant, says something like, God help us or something. And then it cuts to him arriving. That would have been such a better introduction of the character if we hadn't seen him at that uh, Tunisian parade first. I didn't understand why that was even there. Yeah, the the editing 
is you know a little shaggy on this definitely mm-hmm. needed some work and yet it, um, that was one of its Oscars best editing there you go uh but Bohemian Rhapsody won best editing, so anything can happen. Good, yeah, fair point. Uh, do you think Patton won quite comfortably then this this race? Yeah, I do. I mean, it's it's the kind of old school war movie that won Oscars at the time, um, and I think it was you know yeah like like we said it looks great, it has that kind of epic feel, and it was just this acting master class that kind of elevated it i think um yeah so we can speculate if it would have been as great if rod steiger had taken the part if he hadn't turned it down <laughs> um but definitely or I think, lancaster or Bert well. lancaster yeah oh that would have been an interesting choice um but yeah i mean george c scott is rightly identified with this role i think it's like we said, it's it deserved all of its awards, even if he didn't want them. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it I think it won pretty comfortably. Yeah, it's one of those years where the other four are kind of just there because they need five to make it look legitimate. Yeah, I didn't um, consider this a good lineup before, but now I think it's actually a fairly solid lineup. Um, and you know, even the uh, the weakling of the bunch love story is memorable, if for the wrong reasons, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing I'm a mash voter, but I'm guessing you you might be five easy pieces. I'm five easy pieces all the way. Yeah, mm. That's, uh, my choice for best picture, absolutely no question. I mean, I love mash, and maybe. On certain days, I might lean more in the mash direction, but I just um, five easy pieces is kind of etched in my brain at this point, and I think it, it'll be hard to loosen it. Yeah, and we did ask Twitter, and Twitter was similarly divided between the two. Although you know, went for mash in the end, but at one mm-hmm. point, uh, five easy pieces was leading. So yeah, I'll be interested to. If anybody who voted in the poll wants to tell us why you voted for Love Story, um, please, <laughs> please do. Uh, I for I would love to hear it. More votes than Airport, which uh, yeah. yeah, I mean that is surprising. I mean, of the two, kind of, I don't want to be mean, but kind of the fluffy uh, pictures of the lineup. I was I would have expected Airport to. Um, outperform love story but um, what do you think was snubbed uh, not in terms of personal favourites just what was um, what was maybe sixth in the voting or based on the nominations hmm well um, there were a few of the a few of the more successful ones and just in terms of acting nominations like um, maybe I never sang for my father which had a couple of acting nominations and a screenwriting nomination as well um, yeah, pro- and it probably yeah. it had a pretty good dramatic story that could have gotten it a best picture nomination. I would think that would probably be in the mix. Yeah, I think Women in Love maybe with that director nomination and the the best actress win for for Glenda Jackson. Yep, for sure. 
and lots of nominations for Torah, Torah, Torah in the uh, mm-hmm. technical categories, which I've not seen, but uh, it, did, it did get a ton of nominations. Yeah, it did. Um, I mean, they get like four or five. Yeah, I've I've seen Torah, Torah, Torah a couple of times, probably around the same time I saw Patton. Um, and I think it's a, a decent historical drama. Um, it has kind of a few memorable lines, and I think it's a little more flag-wavy than Patton even, but wow. overall I think I, re- I remember it being pretty decent, um, and yeah, wor- worth a watch, I would say. Probably deserving of its visual effects win over Patton. Okay. Um, so wider observation. So there's been a lot of great trivia this week. Um, I, I like the um, the fact that only two films this year won more than one Oscar, which obviously Patton and Ryan's Daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a very spread the wealth year. Does that suggest maybe not a strong year? Or I think it's it does suggest that. Yeah, and it's a kind of like I said in the post, kind of a rare thing in the modern era for that much of a spread. And, you know, Ryan's daughter, of course, only won two, so if it had lost one of it, it would have just been Patton all the way. So, yeah, maybe the sign of a bit of a weak year and no Patton just kind of dominating to the point where all the other films just had to pick up the scraps that it left behind it's a weird way of putting it but that's kind of how it looks because yeah. it, it only it won 7 out of its 10 nominations so it pretty much ate it up uh, um, anything else to add? any other observations about the year? Um, nothing's coming to mind um, I guess uh, we also mentioned the single nominations for O'Neill, McGraw, and Marley for Love Story. You know, they're, it led the year in acting nominations, which is also kind of strange. I liked Marley's performance, um, yes. but I'm not. I'm, um, but O'Neill and McGraw, not sure. I agree with them being nominated for Academy Awards. Um, and it's completely agree, completely agree. And I'm surprised that Carl Malden was not nominated. Yes, as well. Um, yes, um, that is. It's that's just the kind of performance. Yeah. That would get nominated, you know. Mm-hmm. And but then again, I don't know who else in the Best Picture nominees would get nominated, um, other than Carl Malden for Patton. I don't think any of the male leads and Mash really rose to the level of lead actor caliber and five easy pieces i think nicholson and black are the are the deserving acting nominations there okay so um we're on twitter at categorically o uh we've got a website categorically and we're on all the major platforms uh and thanks for listening uh what, what have we got next week Next week, we are going back in the past further. Um, We're going to dip into cinematography for the first time. 1956, best cinematography, black and white. So we're going to be looking at Baby Doll, 
The Harder They Fall, The Bad Seed, Stagecoach to Fury, and the winner, Somebody Up There Likes Me. This is going to be good, because I've only seen yeah. one of these so mm-hmm. far. So Yeah, uh, this is. I think this is going to be a hot one. This 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 could go anywhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really don't know. See you next time. Yep, see you next time. <laughs>